0: Africa is sponsored by Salesforce. Salesforce brings the power of AI to your business with Einstein, the world's first AI for customer relationship management. Einstein offers businesses the ability to meet their enterprise data security and compliance demands while offering customers the benefits of generative AI. To find out more, head to salesforce.com. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. My name is Brendan Lutz and joining me as always is Louis Monza. Hey guys. And Robin Licchetti. How are you guys doing this week? i uh, to be back. Yeah, we're back. 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 We are indeed After back. After technical, technical issue, I guess we could call it.
1: Yeah, just issues...
0: Just issues. Right, uh, let's get right into it uh, with the news of the week. Uh, And uh, the analog switch-off, which is the analog broadcast for TV, is finally happening. And you'll be forgiven for thinking, but wait, hasn't this been happening for a while? Because indeed it has. It's been going on for the last 13 years at this stage. Um, Essentially what this process is, is it sees the uh, switching-off of... uh, certain spectrum bands that are used for broadcasting TV mm-hmm. so that those bands can be more effectively used in telecommunications. Um, and this week the Department of Communications and Digital, Digital Technology set two new deadlines. Uh, the first of which is for the switch off of analog services below the 694 megahertz band. And that is scheduled for 31st July 2023. Uh, the second deadline, however, is for all analog bands to be switched off by the 31st of December 2024. The department said a two-step approach towards analog switch-off is deemed to be a viable approach for the industry. This approach is accepted to be a win-win approach that will enable analog switch-off progress, release spectrum, and allow key stakeholders to recover from post-COVID economic decline and load-shedding impact. Um, Yeah, I don't know if this is actually going to happen. I'm not a betting man. but I, I, I just, I don't think it is going to. Um, to date, Mil- Multi-Choice has switched off 84 analog broadcast sites. Um, ETV has switched off 30 of its 84 sites, and the SABC has stopped broadcasting in an analog in the Free State, Northern Cape, Northwest, Limpopo, and Mpumalanga. Um, the distribution of set-top boxes also continues, especially to indignant households. Um, but yeah i don't know if we're going to if we're going to reach this deadline ever to be quite honest with you because it's just been going on for so so long i wonder what's the like the actual point
2: in time when this will really happen like you said 13 years has been going 14 yeah. years um like, what, what, when would it actually be the case that the switchover happens? Like, what would have to happen? The, everyone to get the boxes? Or yeah, or?
0: so, I mean, I think the big thing that's holding back uh, the the migration at the moment is the distribution of the set-top boxes, right. especially to indignant households, because you can't have folks who... Previously, you didn't have to buy anything except a TV to watch TV. Now, having to make an additional purchase. Right. Um, and yeah, another thing that was interesting when what you said is that uh, of all the places that I think you said,
2: SABC have switched yeah. off, they missed the most populous provinces yes so, they, they so far it, yeah so because
0: far. there is still so uh the band that is over um 694 megahertz that band specifically is being used for broadcasting uh, broadcast in high population density areas mm-hmm. so that's likely why KwaZulu natal western cape gauteng are not on that list of areas that they switched off yeah um because there is a lot of interference in that in those areas, especially from like Wi-Fi routers, microwaves, for instance. Um, so they do need to obviously it's more keep difficult. Those, yeah, yeah, they right. need to keep those spectrums, just or that spectrum rather, just to be able to ensure a, a reasonable quality of broadcast. Um, unfortunately, though, that's gonna, they're going to have to make a plan sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, but I just I don't see when this is going to happen. And
1: I also struggle to see how does this. Improve,
0: uh, abilities to cope with load shedding. I don't know. I, d- I don't think it does. Just throw it in there. <laughs> yeah, cuz it's a buzzword. <laughs> um and I guess having access to better quality TV means you're more informed. I guess yeah, maybe. Of yeah, I mean it's all just buzzwords at the end of the day, right? So that's Yeah. Prefer,
1: like 4 in there as well.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, the good news is, though, is that once this process kind of is finished up, uh, hopefully connectivity gets more of a leg up, um, especially in terms of, like, TV white spaces using that for telecommunications. Um, there's been a lot of talk from companies, especially the likes of Vodacom, about using TV white spaces. So, yeah. Um, Hopefully this happens fast because it's holding back a whole bunch of other sectors. So, uh, yeah, thirty first of July for the first um, the first deadline, which I am skeptical that that is going to be met, and then the thirty first of December, twenty twenty four, for all analog uh, broadcasts to be switched off. Let's see what happens, there's still a lot, there's still a lot, the, the, the department has like, I think it's a 17 page document with everybody who's still using those those frequencies and it's it's a lot, including like community stuff, um, a lot of astrology stuff gets used on those spectrums as well, which is interesting, um, but yeah, for now that's uh, that's what's happening with the switch over to digital from analog. Right, moving on. Robin, what's happening with Microsoft and Activision Blizzard? <laughs> another
1: saga that seems like it going on for 13 years.
0: <laughs> that's only been two at this
1: stage, right? It yeah, feels like 13. Um, so, at the moment, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission in the United States, is trying to block Microsoft from purchasing Activision Blizzard. Uh, as you already know, Microsoft's got the green light in a few other regions. Uh, the EU uh, has given with the green light. South Africa has given the green light. I'm not too sure whether they knew exactly what they were giving the green light to, but that's another story. Um, so right now, hearings are underway between the FTC and Microsoft over this issue, um, and a lot of information has kind of come to the fore. A few, some bombshells, some less explosive revelations have, uh, have come to the fore. Um, And we've kind of been tracking those stories throughout the week. Uh, One of the first ones to come out uh, was regards PlayStation. And uh, kind of the whole rhetoric that PlayStation had when Microsoft were really uh, pushing this agenda around trying to get the acquisition pushed through. Um, PlayStation said no uh, because it threatens exclusivity, specifically around Call of Duty which is a sizable franchise for Activision Blizzard and apparently also for PlayStation. That was kind of the rhetoric that they spouted. However, uh internal emails, uh, specifically from the head of PlayStation, Mr. Jim Ryan, uh, says quite the contrary. Uh, in his email, he says, it is not an exclusive- exclusivity play at all. Uh, and he says, they're thinking bigger in reference to Microsoft than that. Uh, and they have the cash to make moves like this. I spent a a fair amount of time with Phil Spencer and Bobby Kotick, and I'm pretty sure we will continue to see Call of Duty on PlayStation for years to come. So what PlayStation is saying internally, as opposed to out in public, are much (laughs) in contrast to what I Wow!
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: they were crying foul over something they were never actually concerned about. So
0: why
2: were they doing that? Just to throw a spanner in Microsoft's works.
0: Carry favor among their fans? It's just business,
2: uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, espionage. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean, the, the deal itself, it would make Microsoft a larger player in the gaming industry. Right. Why would you want your biggest competitor to have more advantage? Yeah. So I understand why they why they could have said that in public, but now it's come out uh, with internal emails, and it just makes PlayStation look bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also just like
0: PlayStation's whole thing about exclusivity, when they themselves make exclusive titles, mm-hmm. and it just it, it looked bad on the surface. So now with this to come out...
2: were well, they just trying to strike when the iron was hot, right? They're like, okay, we can. this is a nice time to stab Microsoft in the kidney. Yeah,
1: well, I think obviously regulators wanted to see what this meant as far as the game industry and dominance for, by one company in particular, and then... Again, PlayStation probably saw the opportunity and mm. said, so, "Yeah, actually, you are right. We also have concerns right. about Call of Duty and what it means as is concerned." <laughs> so, um, the hearings are still ongoing. Whether or not uh, the revelation as regards PlayStation will actually impact the judge's uh, decision-making around this lawsuit that the FTC has against wants to impose against uh, Microsoft remains to be seen. Um, one of the other interesting uh, revelations. Was um, when the head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, took the stand oh, yeah. to kind of unpack how he saw the gaming industry, uh, what this deal potentially meant for, for Microsoft and Xbox, as well as what uh, it means for the console wars. And um, well, one of the first things he did was he mentioned Nintendo. Now we know Nintendo make consoles, but they're handheld consoles. Yeah. Xbox clearly chose to include Nintendo's sales as part of its kind of forecasting and reporting. So in Xbox's view, it's like third in the, in the kind of console player market behind mm-hmm. PlayStation first and Nintendo second. So there's two Japanese companies pretty much leading the industry. Right. Um, and then, then things get a little bit weird because it seemed like Phil Spencer was trying to paint Microsoft as being this pl- plucky upstart that was, that was going against against these massive companies when it in when it itself is a massive company. He mentioned that, um, let me just pull out the quotes here.
0: Plucky old Microsoft, hey, poor little trillion dollar company.
1: As the console wars is a social con- construct within the community, I never <laughs> want to count our community out. They're big fans. Continued. If you look at our market share in the console space over the last 20 plus years, we're in third place. We are behind Sony and Nintendo in console share globally. Now, to be fair, 20 years ago, the first original Xbox, the much more lined Xbox, yeah. first came out. Sony were on the PlayStation 2, which has gone on to be the highest selling console of all time. Yeah. So, to his credit, I will say, yes, when they thought about, they were very much in third
0: And I mean, also, like, Nintendo had the... Uh had its own consoles for decades, and then those those consoles continue for decades after that. It's just like, it, it seems like, uh, well, you know, if we look at the last 20 years, but Microsoft hasn't really been a player. As you mentioned, they haven't really been a player for the last 20 years yeah, so until, the last decade, the decade. yeah, with the Xbox 360 and then the Xbox One X and One S mm. and now the series. So, I mean, like, Only in the last, I would say, two generations has Xbox really been a player in the market. And in that space, it's really just been a player in the same way that PCs have been a player. Because what has been an exclusive? Gears of War? Cool. Too too human? Okay, If, if anyone's Halo. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like, sure, Phil Spencer, we get you, but right now you are a dominating force. Like, if we look in the last, maybe just even the last generation, I think that uh, that third place is going to look more closer to second or first.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to be fair, you shouldn't even include Nintendo.
0: Yeah, because it's not really on the same. I mean. Yeah, they are. this is not to say that Nintendo is bad. It's just a different class of console, right? Yeah. Like, you're not sitting down expecting to watch, to play the latest AAA game on your Nintendo Switch. I mean, if you include Nintendo, might as well
2: include, you know, mobile phone sales and, you know...
1: Yeah, if you stop nitpicking, you can actually mention every single Windows PC. That's yeah, yeah, I mean again
0: all the other handheld PCs the, I mean, it just starts getting really messy if we start looking at it this way
2: yeah I think if you want to start including different sectors of the gaming market you should be try, You should include all of them right yeah. what's, what's the bigger picture here um, I think like Robin said it's, it's just kind of screwing around with the, with the, the way people see mm. you know it's, it's a visual thing for, yeah. for Microsoft and Xbox we're, we're number three out of three
0: Okay, but it's not out of three. it's not out of three either. Yeah, it's
1: yes. a small company paying sixty-nine billion to acquire.
0: <laughs> that's the other thing, right? It's like oh, we're a small little upstart. No, you're not. You're spending billions trying to acquire this company. Not even to, that's just the price of the company. Not even mentioning the legal people you need mm. to pay, the court fees, etc., etc. It's just, it's just really ridiculous, in my opinion. Mr. Mister Spencer, come now. We'll, we'll but also, full. I mean, Jim Ryan admitting, oh, well, we were never really worried. That's also just like, oh, this is all just big horse and pony show, right? No. I was going to say, we'll see if it plays out for them. Carton. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know? no, let's see. Yeah, so, um, those are some of the revelations that have come up to date. Again, much of this hinges upon what the judge in the hearings is going to say. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see what... Uh, evolved out of that because if, for example, the FTC does uh, get lawsuit pushed through, it kind of puts a massive span in the works as far as Microsoft is concerned because although it can potentially lose out on the UK, which is looking to block the deal, mm. um, it still has the EU on board. And if it gets the US on board, then it's I think it's all... Yeah. Yeah, you know, they're happy to kind of take the hit in the UK.
0: I mean, the other problem is is that this deal must be signed by the end of July. There's a deadline. Otherwise, it has to go to the renegotiation renegotiation table. Um, And I don't know, Diablo 4 might be doing pretty well for Activision Blizzard at the moment. So So they could go back to the negotiating table with a massive win under their arm. And what's Microsoft got to counter? Yeah. Interesting times. Anyway, moving on. Louis, uh, we've got some uh, influencers that have. Coming under fire this week. Indeed. Uh, You guys
2: have heard of Sheen, right? Uh, Yes. Yes, I have. I feel like every now and then someone will ask you, have you heard of Sheen? (laughs) Um, So Sheen is an e-commerce company from from China, and they sell clothes and accessories and little gadgets and just about everything. And uh, their whole business model is that you go on their app and you you find a bunch of stuff. You know, it's like Amazon or Mm Take-A-Lot. And usually the product's... Will be under 300 rand. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to find the product over 300. It's so, so it's cheap, fast fashion. Fast fashion, exactly. Uh-huh. So, uh, they're a small company. Uh, in 2022, they made 24 billion dollars. So you know, small, tiny, s- small potatoes. Uh, another
1: small company. Yeah,
2: small potatoes, small potatoes. Uh, the and- world runs on small companies, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, um, they make a lot of money. They make. It, they sell products at a, at a at a very competitive price, and that has kind of caught the attention of of uh, of watchdogs and of shoppers. and In South Africa, uh, the uh, let me pull up the name right now. Um, hold on, hold on, hold
1: on. It's the Department of Trade.
2: Yes, the Department of uh, Labor uh, in South Africa has kind of uh, they have're probing sheen so the allegations are that sheen is managing to cut costs um, because they're not paying the import tariffs that they should to uh, to uh, to bring the products into South Africa so if you if you if you buy products with sheen you'll have to pay um, an importing fee yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but it, apparently Sheen is cutting these costs, cutting these corners. And obviously, the, the government is concerned that this is an anti-competitive uh, kind of maneuver that yeah. they're doing, right? Apart from, that, <laughs> apart from that, 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 those investigations are still ongoing locally in South Africa. Internationally, um, a lot of uh, media is looking into kind of the work practices of Sheen. Yeah. So obviously, if products are cheap, and they're, 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 they're of an okay quality, like they're not mm. falling apart. Someone is paying for something down the line somewhere, right? Yeah. It, this is like an impossibility. There's, there's something that's not. Somebody's losing out. Somebody's losing yeah. out. So, um, according to publications like Wired and Al Jazeera, the people who are losing out are the workers at Shein's mm-hmm. factories, all right? Obviously, uh, China has a history of uh, poor labor you know, poor labor uh, adherence to, to labor laws, and mm-hmm. even though uh, China itself has regulations in place, the actual companies, not so much. Um, the allegations are that, uh, for example, Al Jazeera, they, they sent um, hidden cameras, a, a journalist with hidden cameras posing yeah. as, uh, as a Sheen worker uh, into one of Sheen's factories, and they found that uh, they were the workers were paid four cents uh US dollars per item that they make right Jeez. um and they work 18 hour days uh, which is itself illegal in china yeah. and uh, something that sheen itself says that they're not doing like in its values and and you know rules yeah. they they don't do this um so sh- across its uh, factories sheen has uh 6000 sp- places where they where they manufacture stuff obviously sending products and items all over the world um and sheen is aware that places that it it operates internationally uh, will begin to question because obviously it's logically like it doesn't make sense. Why is is the thing so cheap and stuff? They must have a sweatshop. It must be a sweatshop operation. Mm -hmm. Sheen is aware of this. So the recent play into kind of getting people to say actually uh, Sheen is a good company. They do ethical things. Is that they invited a whole bunch of influencers, Instagram creators from the US to come to uh, Guangzhou China come check out the factories and come look, everything's okay, guys. Yeah. So um, this was, uh, it kind of looks like this kind of backfired. A little bit. <laughs> um, the influencers that they brought in, uh, they started, okay, firstly, let, before we, we get to that, yeah. the whole influencer thing, I mean, at this point, you, we all know that influencer, when that comes up, the it's basically a big advertisement, yeah. right? There's not a lot of ethics involved with being an influencer. So, for example, for journalists, you, you need to have, uh, you know, you, the things that you say or the
0: things that you do, they need to be... Uh, Ethical. It needs to be honest, it, right? Yeah. You can't, like, for instance, like, we can't, f- as an example take money from Samsung or a free phone from Samsung or using them as an example, mm. right? And then be like... <laughs> and then be like, oh, Samsung is the greatest ever. Samsung, 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 right. Samsung. Because our opinion mm. is influenced by Samsung paying us right. and bringing us into the fold. So
2: influencers have no such restrictions,
0: yeah. right? Um,
2: they don't even have to say if They are post sponsored. They don't even have to say... I mean, I mean, some places they do.
0: There are laws surrounding it. But, but I mean, it's it's kind of like... It's the difference between like BMW going out onto primetime TV and saying, our car will never crash, Mm. versus an influencer who posts a tweet and that's it. Their cars will never crash.
2: Yeah. So uh, the other thing that's unethical, uh, because I mean, this this would be considered uh, not very good practice if it was done by journalists instead of influencers, would be so the influencers were flown out. Uh, on business class tickets to to wow. um, to the, the Sheen factory. They were treated to uh, hotels, very nice hotel rooms, uh, dinners, fancy dinners, and then they got tours of the city and they got to, to come look at the factories. So all of those things free of charge and then Now they were told and they were given information of how Sheen runs their operations. And and basically they came back to Instagram to their followers uh, with glowing reviews of Sheen. So obviously this doesn't paint them in a good light Mm -hmm. to getting all these free products and then saying that Sheen is doing really good. Especially when they only went to one of Sheen's factories. Um, and I'll, I'll let uh, them, their comments speak for themselves. So, one of the uh, influencers, uh, a creator named uh, Danny DMC with nearly 500,000 followers on Jesus. Instagram, in a now-deleted post said, there are so many companies not taking half the initiative that Sheen is. flying They are aware of every single rumor and instead of staying quiet, they're fighting with all of their power to not only show us the truth but continue to improve and be the best they can possibly be. Right? Wow. So she said that the the it was pleasantly surprising to see the factory in first hand, um, and basically Sheen isn't a sweatshop, guys. It's, it's Everything is fine. So obviously these are allegations. But there are videos that, that like Al Jazeera, which is a multi-award winning publication, have published about how the conditions in these factories is not it's not great, and maybe it's not on all of them. Maybe it's in some of, some of them, but to use influencers to kind of change the narrative or the agenda that the media has, and basically say, actually, if Western countries or other nations see Sheen as doing poor labor laws or or you know mistreating their workers, it's actually like we need to get away from that. It's a stereotype mm. when these things are really happening. I think this is a
0: it's not good. you know? No. It's, it's very concerning, right? But it's also something that we've, perhaps people in the media have seen coming for a long time, mm. where influencers who are basically selling their opinion, yeah. putting a price on their opinion, it's, it's going to land up in a dangerous place such as this, where you're defending a company that is potentially violating human rights laws mm. around the world, um, in pursuit of a couple of million bucks in revenue sales right it's it's just it's so questionable and so dangerous and it muddies the water for coverage of this sort of thing because and for uh, for myself even like now I am very I'm very hesitant to say oh this company is doing really well mm. I'm proud of what this company is doing because like there's fifty other people who've been paid to say that mm. and mine is just an honest opinion mm. is that the is that the right thing right or Speaking out about injustices like this with Shane, where there's uh, or Sheen, however you want to say it, Mm -hmm. like if they are really injustices, are they able to just kind of mute that news by buying the opinion of a whole bunch of influencers who see business class tickets, fancy hotel stays, and five star meals, and their eyes glaze over and go, yeah, this is fine. I mean, I, it's just, it shocks me. And then they, they
2: tell their 500,000 followers or however many followers that it's okay, that it's fine.
0: Yeah, and then afterwards you delete it. How many, po- how many people have seen that post mm. where you've been like, oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake? Well, the, the
2: reason that, uh, I mean, it wasn't just one influencer. There's a whole group of influencers. Yeah. I think uh, like around 16, 17, 18 influencers, um, which obviously influence their hundreds of thousands yeah. of followers or whatever, um, the reason they've been deleting these posts and uh, you know, one, of the, one of the other influencers blocked comments on another post <laughs> is because people are, are seeing that there's a problem. Yeah. And but I mean,
0: that's the other problem, right? Is that like, when people do speak out, you immediately delete the thing right. or try and stop the negativity that's coming your way, mm. call online bullying, cyberbullying, whatever you want to label it as mm. that week. I mean, you messed up. You yeah. lied on behalf of a company. That's not all right. No. You deserve what's coming your way. So I think if Sheen
2: really wants to clear its name, they should let independent journalists go down to its factories, its largest factories. <laughs> all <laughs> of them. All <laughs> 6,000 of well, them. Well, maybe not all 6,000.
0: Maybe just a few of them. No, no. all 6,000. If, you, if you're if you that confident, right, mm. then put them all on display. Every single one. Even the one that's in the dusty basement of your grandmother's Restaurants. That's the one that's where the bad things happen. If if, if you're
2: so confident, give us access to everything. And they should do independent interviews without oversight. And then maybe,
0: yeah, we'll know the truth. Salesforce has partnered with Rise Against Hunger to feed children in South Africa. To date, the partnership has fed 80 children for a year. These sorts of contributions are made possible through Salesforce's one-to-one-to-one philanthropic model. To find out more about Rise Against Hunger, visit riseagainsthunger.org and salesforce.com. Anyway, the world. What is happening to the world? (laughs) Anyway, uh, because we're on the precipice of a new month, we want to take a look at uh, what's coming to cinemas, the small screen. Decompress, guys. The gaming -gaming. consoles in July. (laughs) Um, And I think I will kick us off. Uh, I'm going to go through the three things that I am excited about. And the first is Anthem 2. Actually, no, it's called Exo Primal. It's a game from Capcom that looks, I don't want to say good because it doesn't look good. It looks interesting. So essentially what this game is, is you take control of a person in a mech suit um, and you are tasked with fighting off dinosaurs, but you keep going back to the same point in time over and over again to fight dinosaurs. It looks like a live service game uh, where Capcom can sell you microtransactions. Uh, It's said that the story will evolve over time as you complete the single-player version of the game. It's called Dino Mode. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Dino Mode! (laughs) But, I mean, it looks like a bit of mindless fun. And if you played uh, Anthem, it looks very... Similar in ways to that in that you have a big mech suit and you're fighting off hordes of enemies um, In fact, it looks a bit better in, than Anthem in that respect because Anthem had very small groups of well, enemies cool <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, it, it actually I'm kind of curious about this um, It popped up in our inbox oh, I think it was back in April <laughs> Um, and it just looks like a bit of mindless fun, especially with uh, all the big-name releases having happened recently. So we had Diablo, we have Final Fantasy at the moment, out at the moment, then we have Starfield coming through later in the year. So it looks like a nice little mindless break for gaming. Um, have you guys seen this at all? Is there that Has it got called, so, any
2: interest? So um, I remember seeing it. Uh, it's a little bit generic, the art style, I would say that, for Capcom. You know, Capcom yeah. are usually very good at uh, their art design. I mean, Street Fighter VI is, is a f- phenomenal-looking game, graphically and artistically. Uh, extra Primal looks a bit... Um, you know, this seems like a, a Japanese developer is saying to the team... We need the Western audience to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Nothing too crazy, guys. Um, Dinosaurs yeah. <laughs> versus robots. Um, and uh, uh, one of the suits reminds me of an Overwatch character. Um, what's the name of the big one with the shield, the 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 force field shield? <laughs> No, the the German guy.
0: I want to say Reinhard
2: Reinhard Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Reinhard, Reinhard. yes. So it's it gives me Overwatch vibes. The gameplay. Um, obviously it's like a swarm, swarmer, yeah. swarm fighter with so the dinosaurs. Like
0: a, yeah, sort of like swarm, endless wave. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Um, interesting.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll need to see more gameplay, but maybe this could be uh, maybe this could be their life service hit
0: that they've been desperately seeking for the uh, for the yeah. longest time. I don't know if it will be, but uh, you know, I'm. I, I just want to give it a try. Mm. I mean, what, what's the worst that could happen? You give it a try; it's not very good drop it and you find something (laughs) new (laughs) move on um but exo primal will release on uh, xbox game pass which is where i want to check it out um that's obviously for xbox uh, and then it'll be on playstation and windows pc as well releases on 14th july um and you can play with a team of one to ten which i think is is kind of interesting Mm. if you have 10 friends Who also want to play Exo Primal? Damn, (laughs) which I think is nine too many. Um, Yeah, fourteenth of July. It it looks quite fun. Um, Louis, what have you got for a game for us for July? Okay, this is
2: a bit of a weird pick. Um, So there was at one point a a series of isometric RPGs in the same vein as the Fallout's, the original Fallout's, called Jagged Alliance. Oh wow! So instead of it, instead of like. You know Fallout was in the, you know sci-fi, post-apocalyptic, and like the Baldur's Gates were more fantasy. You know Dungeons and Dragons, Dragon Alliance was m- kind of based on the real world. Um, you know revolutionary, Cold War stuff. You know you basically build a, a guy, he's like a secret agent, and you, you have a team of uh, mercenaries, and and that would be like the RPG mechanics there, and you and your squad and stuff. Um, and for a long time I mean uh Jagged Alliance two came out uh in the early two thousands and the nineties. Um for a long time it's been like radio silence uh on in terms of what what's going on with the series. It was kind of like uh I mean in nineteen ninety nine is when Jagged Alliance two came out. So it's been nothing for, for many, many, many years. Was it not a THQ? Uh, Property. Uh, well, talking about, it, I think I believe it is because TSQ Nordic is making the new one. Ah. Dragon Alliance ah. 3 uh, <laughs> is coming out on the 14th of July this year, um, and it's it looks like Dragon Alliance, so kind of a similar art style. Except now it's uh, glorious 3D graphics. Oh, wow. Um, a, a lot of isometric RPGs are coming back. Baldur's Gate 3 uh, yeah. is is coming, which is you know revival of the series, um, and they're looking to make things uh, they, they're kind of. Like Jagged Alliance, they're, they're taking the the XCOMs and the popular squad-based games of yeah. the now and they're translating that gameplay into these old RPG uh, classics. Isometric sort of exactly. puzzles. Uh, so Jagged Alliance 3, it, it, from the trailer, it looks like they they want to be a more action-y route, uh, more squad-based combat, you know, cover and stuff like that. Mm. Um, explosions and, and AK-47s. <laughs> um, so, uh, according to the Steam page, uh, it's, uh, the, 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 they're going for tactical turn-based combat, which is like XCOM. Um, you get to recruit a large cast of unique mercenaries, so they're gonna keep that. Um, uh, oh, there's new weapon customization options, um, which is a new feature. Um, there's like it 's an RPG so you get perks and new skills and all sorts of stuff and uh, basically it 's a big story mode it's uh, you get to control territory so it looks like it's they 're going for like a worldwide view of things uh, instead of just like uh, one small area you, yeah. you now get to play across a huge continent uh, and uh, it looks interesting and maybe it uh, maybe it can live up to uh, you know it's its, um, its roots the graphics look are-
0: Fantastic though, yeah. Like, yeah, so really, really broad. compared to
2: what non-H. they used to look like. Uh, it's it's interesting. So let's hope it that it goes well for THQ with it. Um, it's good to see these kinds of games coming back. Yeah. Um, in in you know in the modern world, with 3D graphics and you know good modern controls. So yeah, let, uh, let's keep it coming. Let's keep it coming, guys.
0: Yeah, I mean you can find some real gems in like tactical games like this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I too am, am pleased. Robin, what have you got for us for July?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm going to rattle through my <coughs> picks straight away. Uh, and they're all anime picks. I am the unofficial anime <laughs> of, uh, Hypertext. So <laughs> I've leaned into that, And yeah, uh, all, all my picks, for some reason, are in the second season. Uh, I'm not sure why that happened, but it just did. So. Two of them are available to watch for South Africans so on Crunchyroll and the other one is on Netflix. So the two Crunchyroll ones, uh, the first one I'm picking is Moshoko Tensei Jobless Reincarnation Season 2. So that the, that will finish off airing on 2nd of July by Crunchyroll and it is an isekai, uh, in my view one of if not the best isekai you can watch. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know what the hell it (laughs) is, it's basically transporting a protagonist or MC into a new world, a new foreign fantasy world. Mm -hmm. Um, The interesting thing about the show is that the protagonist originally uh, committed suicide and then they got transported into this new world as a newborn. But with all the knowledge that they had from playing games and things like that, so they're able to upskill pretty quickly. Damn. So yeah, it is a really interesting um, kind of world that is that is created in Shokutensei. Um, again, if you ask anyone that enjoys the Isekai, or kind of weird ranks, it is up there. Um, and yeah, the second season should be really really good. The other pick that I have is also, I guess, it was the anime when it came out. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, again, if you ask anyone who's into kind of shonen anime, it was the anime. I think also the end credit scene uh, for the first season, Lost in Paradise. I'm pretty sure you would have seen it memed mm-hmm. around. Uh, it has probably one of the best uh, closing credit uh, music montages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, for the second season, uh, one of the, the, one of the main characters, Gojo, who is I guess the mentor to a lot of the kids that go to the Jujutsu Kaisen school, which is focused around using uh, demons and magic to mm. kill other demons, bad demons. Anyway, um, this is kind of focusing on his story, so you're kind of going back. Oh, that's cool. So, it isn't a prequel per se, but you are kind of looking back at how his story developed, how he got involved in this world. And yeah, uh, lots of women will be fangirling mm. for Gojo. Uh, Gojo, yeah. really
2: nice. So oh but doesn't he have his eyes covered in the in the first season, right?
1: And then the reveal is one of arguably one of the most iconic anime moments of the past two
2: three years. Um Robin if I remember correctly, there was kind of we didn't know if the ses- if the second season was gonna come out, right? The, there was kind of like a, no one really knew what was gonna happen after the first season finished.
1: Yeah, because the problem is, so MAPPA is the animation studio that's kind of handling everything, and the problem is that MAPPA has some of the biggest properties in anime right now. Mm. So they're still finishing up um, Attack on Titan, which is like. I thought
2: that was over. No, 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 no. no. Oh, God. <laughs> it's
1: never over. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so the final part of that should be happening later this year. But they had that, for example. Yes. They also had uh, Chainsaw Man that we saw releasing earlier this year. Yes, yes. Um, they also did Villain Saga Season 2. So they have so many huge properties. And quite honestly, I don't think they have enough time to actually give all of them the attention they deserve. Mm. So, yeah, I think it was for a period of time where people were not sure at least what was happening because after the first season of Jujutsu Kaisen, there was a movie that came out mm-hmm. and that also did quite did quite well obviously in Japan and other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, it looks like they are now heading back kind of showing Gojo's kind of origin which I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of people love and yeah, it will probably be one of if not the anime of the year because unfortunately I don't think Chainsaw Man had the impact that people were hoping but again that's probably because only there were what 12 episodes yeah it was a short run yeah whereas the first season of Jujutsu Kaisen was 24 episodes Mm. so a lot more character development a lot more marketing you can do around it a lot more Mm. more people to get invested in anyway uh, my third pick is also season 2 it's season 2 it's uh, record of Ragnarok to season two part two, just coming to Netflix. Don't shake your head.
0: Record of Ragnarok <laughs> 2 season two part season two. two. Yeah, so okay, all right. Yeah.
1: Just making sure. It makes sense guys, don't worry. Uh, just making sure. So anyone that doesn't know this anime, it is a Netflix exclusive. Um, the basic premise is that uh, different mythological pantheons have decided that humanity needs to come to an end. Uh, however, one of the balcony comes to humanity's aid and says, if we're going to do that, let's have, a, let's have a tournament. So it's just one giant tournament.
0: Oh. No. Um,
1: and the real interesting part of the show is that it pits uh, mythological heroes against. Oh, I mortals. Say, I don't want to say heroes, but yeah, famous people in history.
0: So the combat of mortals.
1: Yeah, one of the. So part 2 oh, sorry, part one of season two kicked off with a fight between uh, Jack the Ripper. And uh, Hercules.
0: Mm -hmm. So hang on, so does Jack the Ripper represent humanity? Yes. That's terrible. Yes,
1: that's kind of the moral quandary. Like you have to, humanity has to support Jack the Ripper, who is for all intents and purposes a terrible human being. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to give away the ending, but it was really surprising what happens in the fight. (laughs) Um, Some of the other fights includes Adam, as in Adam, Adam, yeah. Fighting against Zeus. Okay. Um... And then I think one of the the um, end of part one had Buddha. Yeah. Who, for everyone, got tagged in to fight for humanity. What? Okay. <laughs> and he is fighting against.
0: That's being a pacifist gets you, Buddha. <laughs> uh, he's
1: fighting against uh, one of the gods. I can't remember now. I think it was Hades. I could. I could be. I could be. Yeah.
2: Damn, but poor Buddha. I go for Buddha and now. <laughs> yeah. One. But there, there,
1: there is some kind of. Um, uh, kind of mystery behind what's happening in the background that someone else is pulling the strings around this whole tournament and it, it, before people ask how the hell can a human fight a god so the different valkyrie uh imbue themselves imbue their, imbue their powers into weapons and give them to humans to fight oh, okay that's how they're able to fight okay um So, yeah, it is incredibly silly, uh, over-the-top action. Uh, The animation is uh, really intense and visceral. uh, And, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that when it comes out on uh, Netflix on the 12th of July.
0: Cool. Uh, Let's stick with shows, um, and I'll go first. So, on 14th July... Uh, The second season of Isaac Asimov's Foundation arrives on Apple TV+. Plus. If you haven't watched the first season, um, now might be the time to restart that Apple TV plus subscription and watch it through. Uh, As with most Apple TV plus shows, this will have a new episode released every Friday um and this is carrying on the story of foundation in which we see harry seldon uh, establish the foundation at the outer reach and the emperor um played oh, brother kleon day or the emperor the empire as it's known um will uh, leapfrog through time to try and prevent a massive war from happening in the Empire. Uh, it seems, it's a really great show if you haven't watched the first the first season. Um, really, really great uh, sci-fi, um, some great acting, some great performances from the likes of um, Jared Harris as Harry Seldon, Lee Pace as Brother Day, and then Leah Harvey as Salvo Harden, who is actually one of my, my favorite characters from the show. Um, but if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it, especially if you're a, a fan of uh, sci-fi properties like Dune. Um, but yeah so this picks up a uh, hundred years after the first season um, this is a big time hop but that already happens in the first season so it shouldn't be too jarring for people to, to pick things up um, but we do get to see uh, Cleon brother day, brother Cleon day uh, at the outer reach at the artifact um, which seemingly we learned in the first season. Connects all time or houses all time. It, it's very interesting very confusing as well if you haven't read the books um, But yeah, we also get introduced to new characters including brother Constance who's played by Isabella Lochland, and Ella Rae Smith who plays the role of Queen Sarath of the Cloud Dominion um, This is a really really great show um, and if you like I mentioned if you are a fan of Dune um, and you're looking forward to Dune Part Two in November of this year. This will be a nice little way to kind of tide you over, uh, help you scratch that um, sci-fi politic itch mm. that you uh, might have, you know. Um, but yeah, have you guys watched Foundation at all? Did you watch the first season?
2: Uh, no, but I, I like Asimov. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, I didn't actually know about the show until uh, I think you told me about mm. it a while ago. Yeah. So it's it's interesting.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I have got Apple TV. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start it up again mostly to uh, watch the final season of Ted Lasso now that it's it's reached its conclusion, apparently. Um, but I also want to watch this.
1: Yeah, i good things about
0: Silo. Yeah, Silo is also very good. Uh, you can watch the first episode on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. <right now. laughs> yeah, beautiful segue.
1: <segment.
0: laughs> yeah. Anyway, Louis, what have you got for us on series? Uh,
2: okay, so another Netflix exclusive.
0: Um,
2: so the original... Bird box film is getting a spin-off a sequel not really a, a spin-off uh, but uh, so Sandra Bullock started bird box for Netflix in 2018 and it was it really captured uh, the internet by storm because it was like why can't they look at things why why is there birds in the box like what's going on yeah and then and and, and, and I, I watched it it got to the point that I, I sat and I watched the original bird box and I thought it was okay. Um, the reveal at the end was fine. Uh, it wasn't as punchy as I wanted, but it was okay. Um, but now what's interesting is that Netflix seems to be taking its properties, its big properties. Obviously, the interest around Bird Box did really well. Mm. Uh, and Netflix is gonna start making, did it? App- apparently, okay. Apparently, because they they're going to start doing region specific oh no versions of things oh no Bird Box Barcelona, come Can- yeah,
1: because I've done it with um uh, Money Heist
2: right yeah so now they yeah. but that's so now clearly they're gonna go from TV shows to movies right. So obviously they can do whatever they want yeah. with Netflix. So Bird Box Barcelona is coming out on the 14th of July. Um, it's gonna take place. So obviously in the original Bird Box, at the beginning it kind of shows you like how the world ended. Mm. You know, it's a it's a it's a, a quiet place. You know, monsters destroyed the world, uh, apocalypse. Yeah. Um, and that was in the U.S. But
0: now in Spain. Look, that also happens. So the one thing that's giving me kind of hope here is that more often than not, Netflix's non-English content, mm. or content that's not from the U.S., yeah. tends to be really damn good. Speaking of Money Heist is one, uh, and then Squid Game, obviously, from uh, South Korea, and then the litany of shows that have come from there and original movies. Um, even like stuff like the, Netflix had a movie a while ago called The Wandering Earth, mm. That was great. From China, fantastic movie, right. like fantastic sci-fi movie with great great writing, great acting, superb. Right. So yeah, this on the front also Yeah. The yeah. So I mean really like this is, I'm I, I'm kind of being, oh no, not Bird Box, but mm. maybe they do better than the original. Maybe. Um it's it's completely uh
2: it's I mean it's a Spanish production company, um it's Spanish actors, Spanish writers adapted the the screenplay. I mean, it's it's like completely Turn yeah. For the Spanish audience, um, and Bird Box is a good kind of IP for that, yeah. because it's not expensive to film people wearing, you know, uh, blindfolds, yeah. running around and being terrible to each other, and not actually seeing anything. You don't happen. see yeah. anything. You don't see monsters or anything. They don't even move stuff. Exactly. As far as we so feel. it's a really good way to kind of make sure that region, specific regions, that Netflix has a good production. Um, uh, you know, because Netflix—the so whole thing—is they need to produce original regional content, yeah. which will which will drive regional subscriptions. Um, so <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, what about Bird Box Johannesburg? Ah, uh, nobody's gonna care, in.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, load shedding. I, I, uh, I'm uh, driving to. It's five <laughs> o'clock. Load shedding's at six. I gotta get home. No, I will look at any monster.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll await bird box Cape Town and bird box Durban and we'll go from
0: there. <laughs> yeah. Bird box Durban.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into movies and uh, there are two only two blockbuster there's, movies. There's no, there's releasing. only two movies
2: coming out this year.
0: Yeah. This uh, and I'm going to talk about the first one and that first one is Barbie, the Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, uh, Will Ferrell and a whole bunch of other people including Simi Lu. Uh, Simu... Simulu? From... Uh, yes. Am yeah, yeah, I saying it right? I'm sorry if I'm not. Yes. Uh, obviously, this is the story about Barbie. Uh, and, Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colourful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie-land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. Um, so, we know very little about this movie. Uh, we've got one teaser trailer so far. Um, And it's releasing the same weekend as another movie that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, And it looks to be telling the the story of Barbie, right? Except I have sneaking suspicions that this movie is going to take a a hard left turn. Um, And it's not going to be the fun, wonderful pink world that we've seen in the trailer. I think it's going to be a little bit more hardcore than that. Especially that, like uh,
2: Because the, the we we spoke about this In the office mm. actually, the, the director Is known for making Very like
0: serious Dramatic movies mm-hmm. I mean know? also these actors Like I know like Ryan Gosling Has been in his fair share Of fun like quirky movies yeah. So has Margot Robbie But at the end of the day These are pretty serious actors And like yeah, I don't know. I don't It'll know be they... a, a bit of a waste if they don't do something. Something you know? interesting, like I, they are. The whole thing takes place, of, of, as I mentioned in the blurb, Barbie leaves Barbie Land to go to the real world, and I think that that's going to be kind of, kind of a shock. Um, I don't think this movie is particularly for kids. It's got an age restriction of PG thirteen, so it's not for like little girls and little boys. It's for like teenagers mm. at the very least, and I don't know if this movie is. Like, do teenagers care about Barbie in 2023? I don't think so. Which is why I think that this is a bit more sinister than just, oh, it's a fun little Barbie movie. You know, I feel like this is directed at adults, like us, millennials, Gen X's maybe. Like, I feel like there's something more sinister here. And that's kind of, it's hooked me, probably more than any other movie has this year.
1: Yes, I, I was also the same opinion of, as my colleagues uh, <laughs> before the trailer came out. Now that the trailer has come out, I think it is going to just be a comedy slash musical and they are going to leverage so much Barbie IP, it's going to be infuriating.
0: Well, let's see. Maybe it turns out to be like a Josie and the Pussycats from the early 2000s where it's like a meta-commentary about product placements that is just full of product placements. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I want to. I would really, genuinely want to see this, and may even go to the cinema to watch it. Louis, you've got our second movie. Talking about cinema, the second so, movie. Uh, yes, next to Barbie,
2: there will be this movie. <laughs> it, it, in the movie house, they will be next to each other. <laughs> so, fans, <laughs> who knows? I mean, they're coming out at the same time, basically, and we've all seen the memes, right? Yeah. So my movie is obviously Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, the Christopher Nolan. Uh, he's coming back for his first uh, 18 rated R movie since Insomnia uh, in 20 in 2002. So uh, Oppenheimer obviously tells the 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 life of J. Robert Oppenheimer, who is the the physicist who helped develop the first nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. So this will be uh, during World War II, um, which this will take place, and uh, it'll kind of catalog the life of the man. Um, we know him as like you know as as a, the figure who created the bombs and also he led the Manhattan Project, but actually his life was quite sad, mm. and uh, he had a lot of family problems and you know his wife and stuff. And later, after I mean, also like the the idea of your greatest, your life's greatest work led to the deaths of, of millions and could possibly doom mankind Humanity. forever that's also a big kind of problem that he had to, to grapple with and eventually i think led to his you know his decline and his uh his physical health deteriorating so obviously it'll be a very interesting story um and it's like kind of polar opposite to what's happening with barbie yeah. you know it's a dark film um also one of the things that uh, kind of have been said about the production of the film is that Christ- is that christopher nolan uh, attempted he said that CGI is is for, for little babies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, he spent a lot of money in trying to replicate an actual nuclear explosion
0: <laughs> to film. <laughs> My goodness.
2: So Christ. I don't know what exactly that means, but <laughs> we see when we watch the film. Maybe he did a small scale. So apparently, <laughs> apparently he replicated it? the first nuclear test somehow. Oh, okay which is not, a, it's not, it's like not a, a huge explosion. It's not like yeah. Hiroshima and guess. but it's it's a
0: big it's a big one. It's a nuclear explosion. Yeah, it's a big bomb. You know, like Bikini Atoll doesn't exist anymore yeah, because so of a
2: small nuclear we'll, test. We'll see what that looks like when we watch Oppenheimer. Um, it'll probably be really good. Um, and yeah, there's there's just this weird thing happening between Barbie and Oppenheimer yeah. right now. Um, it's like when Doom and- uh,
0: Animal Crossing. Animal
2: Crossing came out. So it's like a weird marketing memeing you know simultaneous interest here, which is uh, which is cool. Uh, I'm sure the companies behind both the movies are very happy about it.
0: So I'm really interested in Oppenheimer like just from a hey, here's a how long is it a couple of hours long documentary yes, about. Yeah. Robert Oppenheim Mm -hmm. It's
2: going to be like a serious thing right?
0: Like yeah I mean Like that in itself Is interesting to me Especially because Of what happened Post the development Of the bombs With the demon core And all that sort of stuff Like I hope that that Kind of gets touched on Mm. Because it seems like The dropping of the bomb Is kind of like The midway point Of the movie almost Mm. Like there seems to be Stuff that happens After the bomb Is finally dropped We'll have to see I haven't seen the movie So I'm not 100% sure But Um, yeah, I, it's, from a history standpoint and just a biographical standpoint mm. I think this will be an interesting watch So yeah, uh, that stars Cillian Murphy as uh, Oppenheimer Emily Blunt
2: as Oppenheimer's wife Catherine, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Jr. as uh, Lewis Strauss and Matt Damon as Leslie Groves who are, who are um, people involved in the Manhattan Project yeah. um, and it will release uh, internationally on July 21st 2023
0: literally the day after um, Barbie Barbie yeah so what's the first and then Albert Einstein is in this movie mm-hmm. yeah, sorry <laughs> it'll,
2: it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting even Casey Affleck is in this movie damn they got what? everybody
1: they
0: got everyone they got everybody
1: <laughs> we didn't want to see <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, folks, that's going to do it from us for uh, this edition of the AfriCast. Um, yeah, we hope that you enjoy the content that's coming in June, whether you go see Barbie, Oppenheimer or both. Um, or oh, Mission Impossible, we forgot about that. Yes. Dead Reckoning. Part one. Part one. Wait for part two. Which is always fun. I mean, Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise running around he's got to be running yeah. <laughs> yes, uh,
1: I
2: wonder I wonder, I wonder what's Tom Cruise's like limit is for these stunts like what when is it going to be too much and he falls out of the pen <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's not think about that that'll be a sad day okay, a, okay i know i'm smiling and laughing but it's because i'm scared <laughs> um but that's going to wrap it up from us for this africast thanks once again to salesforce for sponsoring uh we've got one more spot from them but from myself Brendan lotts cheerio from louis bye guys and from robin e Chetty. uh yeah take care
1: everyone
0: we'll see you next week <laughs> cheers Built on the core values of trust, customer success, innovation, equality, and sustainability, Salesforce strives to add value to its customers so that they can, in turn, improve their businesses. With solutions built for SMEs and enterprises, Salesforce has a solution that can amplify your business no matter the field. To find out more, visit salesforce.com.